African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Uh, you're listening to us right here on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. Yes, it's me, Benjamin Mushatam. I'll be with you until midday today. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. DSTV channel is the audio channel, channel 802. Thank you for joining us as well on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, yesterday we had a really fun outside broadcaster in Yeovil from Nelson Mandela Day, and I think it's fitting the next day uh, that we look at the subject that we've looked at for a long time here on African Dialogue, which is African leadership. But now we're going to look at it from a different perspective, looking at uh, really the trend of uh, young leaders internationally. When you look at uh, uh, the Emmanuel Macrons, when you look at Justin Trudeau of uh, uh, Canada, when you look at uh, Kim Jong-un of uh, North Korea, we've got our own Joseph Kabila who has uh, been a young leader since the age of 29. But where do we fit as a continent in terms of youth leadership, especially in, in governance? Are we seeing uh, that happening? Or are still the oldies are still holding on to their end? And uh, hey, you know what? When you're looking at the international trends, it's interesting to see what's coming and what's happening internationally. Emmanuel Macron is aged uh, 39. He won the French elections on the uh, May 2017 just this year and uh, Justin Trudeau's 45 was elected at Canada's uh, Prime Minister just in 2015. Well we know that uh, the uh, North Korea also has a pretty young leader. We're not sure about his credentials and his uh, uh, power in terms of the way he governs but he is a young man. Kim Jong-un is only 33 years old. Well another controversial young leader on the African continent is probably one of the youngest that we have, uh, Joseph Kabila only uh, was only th- 29 when he became Africa's youngest leader. But Africa is struggling with this idea of actually seeing young people in leadership positions. And we're not just talking about uh, young participation in parliament and that kind of thing, but real, real uh, leadership in, uh, in, in governance is something that we are, seem to be struggling with. But what is the role of young people in governance? What is the role that young people can play in terms of ensuring that there's accountability in their various cities, rural areas, their villages, in terms of governance? Well, we're joined by Kate Robinson, who's a a co-founder of One Young World, and also we'll speak to other experts on the line to look at this issue of youth leadership. We've also got Dr. Richard Oriania, who's joined us before. He's a research fellow at the Tabo Mbeki African Leadership Foundation, which is based in Pretoria, South Africa. I think Kate is joining us from uh, the UK, if I'm not mistaken. But let me start with you, Kate, in terms of looking at these dynamics of uh, youth leadership. And when we're talking about young people, we it's relative here because I've highlighted someone from the age of 45 uh, to as young as 29. But we are seeing younger leaders internationally, especially in what's happening in uh, the Western world. As one young world, has this actually uh, fascinated you seeing these small changes in terms of leadership from an age perspective? 
Um, it has. Good morning to you. It's lovely to, to hear your voice um, and an, a pleasure to be here. Um, I think that the changes are there. I think that there is a gap because I think an awful lot of people over the age of 40 don't understand the new generation that is coming through. So the most informed, most educated, most connected people in human history are now coming through. So it's a very different animal that comes through in the under-30s, and particularly now, under-22. It's a very, very different person um, who has power and access in ways we never had when I was a young person. So there is, there is a change there. I think that there is quite a lot of bed blocking done by older people, mm. some for good reason, because they have experience, and wisdom, which should never be shortchanged. Sure. Um, but there is a. I think. I think there is a. Um, there are roadblocks in the way for young people, but then you see people even in the great democracies. Um, for example, here in the UK, there are some very very young MPs, people under the age of thirty, mm. in the Houses of Parliament now. I know that one of them, particularly the young Scot, who's only twenty-one is very frustrated with the process and the lack of progress. So I think it's tough. Young people would be expecting things to be done a lot more efficiently and sure. a lot faster. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they, maybe they will bring a good thing with them. Um, on your point about the Kabilas, yeah, and indeed the North Korean leader, here we are talking about nepotism and hereditary leadership. The tragedy of that is it doesn't mean it has to be leaders who are bad. They could be really good. Um, I rest my case on those two, but um, <laughs> they could be really good. Mm, they don't mm, have to be bad. Sure, sure. You know? Well, let, let me bring in our other guests. I think, I think on the line we've also got uh, Tillman Feltis who's joining us uh, uh, from uh, the think tank, Kondrata Deniers Diftung. I hope I uh, pronounced that uh, correctly. Uh, Tillman, thank you for joining us. Uh, in terms of, of, of these trends of youth leadership from an international perspective, when we speak about the Macrons of this world, I mean, it was a kind of a surprise after Barack Obama was pretty much young as well when he became uh, president. But clearly, there is a distinctive international trend on the kind of leaders that people are voting for and people are trying to assert in terms of the kind of leadership they want in a very much uh, a changing space in the world. Yeah, you're right. Also, a good morning from also from Johannesburg from my side, and thanks for for having me also in the show. Um, you're totally right when you're seeing that there are more and more young people and young leaders entering the political arena and stage, etc. And we see it that is also in the circumstances of a shifting politic, global political order, more or less. And when you see the African population is so young, and when you see the African leaders of some countries, yeah. they are so old, so they are mm-hmm. must change something more or less. <laughs> and um, I think in 20 years, uh, more than 50% of the African population are young people. And um, I hear stories about, I heard that every year 22 million jobs has, uh, has to be created for these young people and that the political uh, will has to be behind that. And um, I mean, when you are looking at the 
at the um, two leaders you spoke about, about Kabila and Kim Jong-un, I heard my uh, colleague already speaking about them. I mean, they are coming a bit from a more, I would say, undemocratic background. Mm -hmm. They are following yeah. their father's steps, if you want so. And none of them is really in uh, elected democratically or at least not willing to have elections when you're looking at the Congo at the, at, the, at the moment. When it comes to the two uh, Western young leaders, Macron, the French president, or uh, Trudeau, what we are seeing is that they bring in a more non-nationalist um, agenda, a more agenda for the common good to see that um, the world will end up not in a good state if every country only goes for its own interest. Unfortunately, we see this in some countries where more and more right-wing or left-wing populists are entering the mm -hmm. stage, and they are clearly speaking out against this. So we have to see not, every, not all young leaders are good leaders because they are young. They have to be democratic leaders in first instance, mm -hmm. and they have to create and act according to the will of the people and not in their own interest. And that makes a good a young leader a good leader and not only the age. Well, let me bring in Dr. Richard Oranya. We've once uh, spoken about leadership, especially youth leadership from a civil perspective, and that's why we thought it was great to bring you back, Dr. Oranya, in terms of uh, the issues of uh, the international trends that we're seeing. I think when Barack Obama became the 44th president of the United States, we did kind of see a different kind of man in, in the, the kind of the last 20 years in terms of his style of leadership, and he's kind of said and his youthfulness became very much central to the kind of style of leadership that he had. And it was very kind of interesting to see him also utilizing new forms of uh, campaigning, using uh, social media as a central theme uh, for the way that he even campaigned. And in his entire presidency was based on uh, very innovative ways of uh, communicating his messaging. And it's very interesting to see those new fresh dynamics being ap appropriated into politics, Dr. Eronia. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, uh, I think uh, the, the election of Barack Obama actually focused mm -hmm. attention on the, yeah, on the youth leadership. Yeah. And um, uh, he did introduce a lot of innovative measures you know, in the way he communicated with uh, well, I'm struggling with your. I, I need. I'm sorry, Doctor Ironia, to cut you off there. I'm struggling with that particular line. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna see if we're going to sort that one out. Uh, but hey, give us your thoughts. Hey, France has the 39-year-old Macron, and uh, Canada has the 45-year-old Trudeau as prime ministers. Why is Africa struggling in electing young leaders? Do you have a, uh, an issue when it comes to the way our elections are actually uh, composed? And also, is there enough investment in youth leadership and governance? Give us your thoughts at Channel Africa One. That's our Twitter handle or at African Dialogue. It's 18 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. I'm going to take a quick break. and We'll see if we can connect with Dr. Richard Ironia while we have our uh, conversation with our other guests. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Good news for listeners in America. 
You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-447-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Interact with us on our social media at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. Want to hear your thoughts? Do you think that Africa is struggling in terms of having a crop of young leaders in in governance? Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. Would love to hear from you. Go to our Twitter handle at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. It's the numeric one at the end there, not the letter themselves so it's at channel africa one let me bring back dr richard orianya i was looking at uh, the style of barack obama when he became president i know he just ended his term just recently early this year 2017 but his style was very much youthful and the way he kind of campaigned was very much uh, really linking the youth generation to his type of leadership using social media platforms as a way of communicating his message Definitely, Barack Obama did bring a new style of leadership, almost very youthful in its approach. Yes, uh, as I was saying before I was uh, cut off, uh, I think, um, let me say that the society that produced Barack Obama uh, is a society that is structured in such a way that it could produce such leaders. Uh, we compare that to the African society that is not so structured, which so. is producing leaders who are very old. Uh. Uh, in Africa, we hardly have leadership perfection in the programs. And we hardly have political parties that have uh, stayed for a very long time mm. to be able to develop a, a mechanism from, in a true way these leaders could emerge, mm. you know, mm. as, of course, youth also, youth training. So we have a similar political parties that just come up and they fizzle at the moment that the military takes over or the moment that the constitution changes. And we have a society that is highly ethnicized mm. in which the ruling elite has devised means of dividing the population. And we find out that most people that also keep the... the 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 septuagenarians, the octogenarians, and nonagenarians in African politics are still the youth. Ah. So they are being manipulated. They provide the force that keep them in power. They are ready to defend them with their lives. And mm. so when you have a situation like this, you can never produce people like Barack Obama. I agree. You have a, 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 somebody was saying there, a panelist was saying also about um, uh, Joseph Kabila, of course, the crisis produced him. He was not. He, he was not. He did not involve, you know, through the system. Sure. And we also have people like Egama. We know the circumstances yeah. result into his own uh, the leadership. And maybe you can also think about people like Vori Nasema, Yadema in Togo. Of course, if he wasn't the son of, uh, of the former of the late president, I doubt if he could have been made in the in, uh, in uh, 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 at that age as a leader of uh, Togo. And of course, it's alone. These are just the few leaders that are below 60 years in Africa. So I'm saying that the African society has to, be, has to develop mechanisms through which African, I mean, young leaders could emerge. And if we do not do this, we continue to have a situation in which uh, 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 
and after Denarius, we rule forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me bring back Tillman into the conversation. Your thoughts around some of those insights brought there uh, by Dr. Richard Irianya, highlighting the fact that you know our societies are not framed in the way that maybe the U.S. or some parts of Europe are. Uh, the fact that we do have a very kind of cultural view when it comes to politics, and also the fact that our societies are dominated by almost an Asiaism view when it comes to to, to politics. Uh, um, Tillman? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you you shouldn't um, mention culture um, on the same level or same niveau as, for example, nepotism or patriotism. What we are seeing as a political foundation analyzing some political systems in Africa is that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of family histories and family structures where they think, okay, we are running a state from a family base or from a big network of um, affiliates, friends, and family, and then it's easy to give power in the hands of either the son, mm. in the case, for example, of the DRC, or that other networks, like in South Africa, the Guptas, are coming in and creating some power for their side. And that's, dem- that's definitely nothing to do with democracy. And there, the African states also should be clear about uh, democracy is the most important and most, m- most valued aspect you can have. And elections are so important. And um, also South Africa, for example, in the Constitution, it, it says, that um, it is usually a two-term of a South African president. After that, mm-hmm. he could step down. In most countries and also around the world, we have this. And I think that's maybe not a bad thing because it's not about the person, not about the families. It's about the, the position, and everybody could run for this. And the youth has more to demand their rights. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they are political actors. They have to bring their... Um, uh, their their things on the table and has to demand more power as well. And um, important it is for the youth that in each country there is political competition. That you have a functioning opposition, you mm. have political parties, and there the youth have to act. And um, mm. we see the political parties are maybe shifting to be a bit, you know, a boring thing for young people mm. to get engaged, etc. But um, it mustn't be always political parties. It's mm. also that uh, the youth can can um, come up with new political parties. Like mm. in South Africa, we are seeing it. In uh, France, um, we are speaking about Macron. Mm. He uh, used to be a member or a minister even in a big political party. Then mm. he stepped out of the party mm. and created a new movement. He called it a movement, and he mm. won the elections with this new movement. Mm. We might see the same as well this year, I think in two months or three months, in Austria, a small country in Europe, there was the same. The, um, the, the big conservative parties, mm. Austria, is currently being reformed by a 29-year-old uh, leader who is saying, no, we don't speak yes. about parties, mm. we speak about the movement. And it looks like he's becoming the new chancellor, the new president of, uh, of Austria. Hmm. So um, these are the two sides we have to see. On the one side, the youth have to demand their rights and, and follow democratic routes. And on the other side, it doesn't have to be in political parties. Hmm. We, there are other tools.
Well, let me come back to Dr. Richard Irianya before I come to you, Kate. I know that you're holding on there yeah. and you want to comment or something, but let me touch on with Dr. Irianya first because I know we have to let him go. In terms of these new definitions that uh, Tillman is bringing into the conversation and the new approach of uh, campaigning and uh, pioneering new uh, systems of governance, is the new language, especially with these young leaders such as McConnell, was highlighted by Tillman and he's highlighted yeah, one of yeah. the, an Australian campaign saying that they use terms that are very much uh, um, move, uh, like terms like movement, terms like a, a collective efforts. Uh, their language is very much uh, going back to kind of uh, uh, when uh, uh, democratic dispensations were initiated, kind of going back to the values of what democracy actually stands for. It's an interesting language, isn't it, Doctor? Uh, well, I didn't hear very well what, uh, because the line was so bad, mm. um, and I can, uh, I, I think we're trying to, uh, uh, to ask me about, um, that it's not going to move me, to, uh, uh, I don't know, dynamics in African politics mm. uh, that has to emphasize uh, on uh, democracy and the principles of democracy in our governance system. Mm. Did I get that question correctly? Sure, and also, I mean, when you look at kind of the leaders such as, he's not he's not that young, but I feel like he's one of also those young uh, leaders who've come through uh, through legitimate ways of governance. Let's not forget the likes of Adama Barrow and also the kind of language that he used when he was campaigning, kind of wanting to reinstitute go- uh, um, democratic governance back into the Gambia. He, he used a very much uh, uh, democratic yeah. language in, in that, Adam, um, uh, Doctor. Yes. Well, uh, I think the, the problem we have uh, we're having in, in Africa is the fact that when leaders emerge, they think uh, in order to first and foremost get legitimacy and confidence of the people, let them speak about democracy, they talk about anti-corruption, they talk about uh, um, and a, a lot of other things which, of course, are used as strategy to legitimize mm. So once they consolidate their political power, mm. once they consolidate authority, they tend to turn to a different, uh, uh, different philosophy. And we witness, the, we witness that even in, 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 in Yaya Jamin, mm. uh, as you say, uh, mm. uh, as you rightly point out, but because he came to power through the military coup, and over the years has remained in power. Mm. And even when he lost the election, initially accepted to go, but couldn't not go, and then accused later that he will not leave power. And mm-hmm. the reason being that now uh, he, he foresaw what was going to happen, maybe he was going to be tried for a lot of atrocities committed in the past. Mm-hmm. So in Africa, we are uh, the, the, the kind of leadership that we are craving for is not a leadership that is based on personality. Uh-huh. Uh, although we want useful services in African offices, but we need to build institutional capacity. We need to emphasize mm-hmm. on institutional leadership. Sure. So that it is not about the person in power, it is about the institutions also ruling. So mm. in the absence of a leader, for instance, the institution can also make the society be working. Mm. So mm. we are, uh, the, the principle of democracy is also in such that we need to build strong institutions that respect mm. the most, uh, that respect the uh, human rights, mm. and also protect our, that protects us, uh, you know, from, uh, and from the abusive power, uh, abusive powers uh, mm. uh, of those uh, uh, who are leading us. Mm. So in Africa, we need also to have uh, a system in place that can checkmate powers. 
and to reduce over emphasis of centralization of power talk in, in Africa. This is very important mm. because of the power that is applied to the office of president in Africa is so much that they can do anything with that power. And mm. so it is also the reason why most of them refuse to leave power, even when their time had come up. In Yorana Museveni in Uganda, we say that over time, he changed the constitution in 2005 to remain in power. The Gami has, uh, has done so, even though he came to power as a young man. So you find that the structure of the society is what is keeping the system in place. It mm. needs to be changed. Mm. There needs to be a new thinking. Uh, it is not about talking about democracy, but let us give institutions and confidence in our, uh, in, in, in our institutions mm. so we can change this, this mentality. Mm. Allowing it the way it is now, would never result in the production of democratically elected young leaders. Mm, no, mm. because divisions exist in, uh, 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 amongst us, mm. and we are having a, a, a combination of political imaginations, you know, shrewd political brickmanship by those who are already in power, the patrimonial network and corrupt practices, you know, to make sure they remain in power, and these are likely to continue in the future. So we need to build a system that will guide against all this. And I don't see this happening in a, in a very short time. And moreover, the leaders are also using brutal force mm. and violence to make sure the cow-out opponent, the suppressed opponent, suppress mm. the young men who have, been, who have to run away to other places, you know, for safety and to save their lives. So the sure, sure. thing is that we need to, you know, take make all this and if we, have, if we hope in the future to produce young leaders on our continent. And we shouldn't produce leaders who will become corrupted by the system and will go back to the same thing that mm, we are talking mm. about. And a young leader like Jonathan Goodluck showed a good example. He lost an election in Nigeria, accepted mm. defeat in usage, and resisted power. And now we are back to uh, in, uh, in, uh, in power in Nigeria. Mm. And so uh, this kind of uh, you know, uh, other changes... Uh, and needs to be introduced in African politics. Mm. Well, that's Dr. Richard Orianya, who's uh, a research fellow at the, the Tabombeki African Leadership Foundation. We also have on the line Kate Robinson. I'm going to come back to you, Kate, because I would like to hear some of your views that you have on Dr. Richard Orianya. I'll highlight what he, he was talking about uh, if you didn't hear that on your line. But Kate Robinson is a co-founder of Young One Young World. That's One Young World. And we also have Tillman Filtes, who is a, a project manager in South Africa at the think tank Konrad Adenier Stiftung I hope it's Stiftung or Stiftung I don't know Tillman you have to help me on that a little bit later on I know it is a, a German originated uh, think tank that is also has different branches around the world but we'll continue with this conversation after the break don't forget to interact with us on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa 1 or at African Dialogue why is Africa struggling in electing young leaders we've highlighted some of the areas give us your thoughts we want to hear from you let's take a quick break and we'll continue with our two guests who remain on the line we have great news for you channel africa has gone mobile if you have a cell phone you can now download the mobile app for android you can get it on google play get the latest news from africa get the channel africa app channel africa Bringing you the African Perspectives. 
Well, all of us have fairly agreed that uh, youth leadership is not necessarily a paintbrush resolution or solution uh, for good leadership uh, internationally. And it just was highlighted by Dr. Richard Iruanya there in our conversation. The fact that you still have to have a strong institutions that ensure that uh, democratic values are adhered to. And, and that's very key, Kate, the fact that uh, uh, we don't, you know, the, the idea of uh, uh, youth leadership is not necessarily the only solution like you highlighted uh, during our start of the program the fact that you also require uh, to have the wisdom of the old in uh, in in the in, in the mix there but what was very interesting that was highlighted by Dr. Ranya is his emphasis on the fact that you still have to have institutions that hold governments accountable whether there's a, a young leader or an old leader I thought there were some absolutely great points there. So just to, to move swiftly over some things that Dr. Naranya and Tillman have been saying. Um, Tillman cites some good examples. I think the example of President Macron, I think the example in Austria are extremely important. Why are they important? They are particularly interesting um, because of young-ish leaders establishing new movements and new parties mm. to break through. Okay. And I think that's an important, a very that's that's an important thing. I think that um, on the Barack Obama front, um, there's an example in reverse of a similar thing. So here is this brilliant young president, a brilliant campaigner. I mean, probably the best campaigner we've seen in the states in my long lifetime. But in very many respects, struggling in government because mm. of the system, and because of two very old, I don't want to say redundant, but very old creaking political parties mm. who just can't run the system anymore. So that is an interesting thing, comes back to Dr. Naranya's point, that actually there too much power is centralized in that particular system. Mm. But I think to look at the African thing is then to compare with those is to understand I don't think in Africa the problem is unique. I think African countries struggle with the same issues, with old parties that are completely entrenched, old people entrenched in positions who don't want to get out of the way. But it's amazing to see these very young people set up their own movements, their own parties, and get around the system. We have a very big movement set up by One World Ambassadors in Brazil that is just absolutely enormous. It has 22 million members in the movement. Yeah. And this is a party formed against corruption. And I'll tell you what, something. I give them a couple of election cycles. They will be in power. Ah. Great. To Tillman's point and critical, whoever is in power is the value of the institution. So uh, number one, and uh, we know it in South Africa, the public protector, my good friend Tuli Madonsela, amazing. The public protector, the independence of the judiciary, which is being challenged now in Poland, mm, in Hungary, mm. in Turkey, frankly in the United States. So, you know, we can beat ourselves up in Africa, but really we know where the good stuff is. Independence of the judiciary. I worry about the free press. Mm. You guys fought long and hard for that in South Africa. Mm, mm. It must not be trammeled and challenged. So I think one of the things that's complex with young leaders coming through 
is, and I take Tillman's point, I think it was Tillman's point, or maybe it was Dr. Naranya's, about young people um, activating for their rights. And sure, it was Tillman, sure. I see, a lot of, I see a lot of that around the world. Mm. My concern with it is I hear a lot of rhetoric about our rights, our rights, our rights. I don't hear a lot of stuff about our responsibilities. There has to be uh, a balance no. on the other side. Mm. And you can have your rights, but as you say, as Tillman said in such a good point, if the institutions of state are not strong, you know, look in the United States. We mm. assumed that the institutions were strong. Yeah. We assumed that freedom of the press was a given. We assumed that the rules against favoritism and nepotism in government would stand. They have not held up. Mm, but me, I see sure, in Africa, sure. what I mm. see in Africa, all over Africa, is we certainly have in the one young world cohort brilliant young leaders who are leaders with a capital L. <laughs> so I, you know, I just think there's a huge thing coming in Africa because I personally don't think Africa lacks for anything. It has got all the arable land, all the mineral resources the world can ever want, the best people in the whole world. Its only deficit is leadership mm -hmm. and it and corrupt leadership. That's, mm. the, that's the only thing mm. that lacks, mm. but boy, it's a big thing. Well, let me bring in Tillman in the conversation. And uh, I want to use South Africa as an example of, uh, you know, civil action from youth leaders. I know that when we, the big example that we use in that is the Fees Must Fall movement that was brilliant last year and the year before and it almost got absorbed into the mainstream the conversation almost was diluted by uh, kind of the mainstream um, uh, institutionalization you know if i can use that yes institutions can be check and balances but sometimes in our democracy sometimes they act as containers of movements as we've seen as fees must fall and sometimes that actually breaks down the potential of great movements led by young people. Your, your thoughts on that dynamic? Yes, that's right. What we are seeing here with the youth movement in, in South Africa, with the Peace Must Fall campaign, there are a lot of uh, young people on the street. And, I mean, I heard a lot about this, this sentence of uh, youth apathy um, to politics, etc. That, that's not true. I mean, the youth is interested. The youth sure. has other has other uh, channels maybe and is uh, maybe differently interested in politics, but they, they do it. And uh, you can see this that uh, the movement, the youth movement, I mean also the ESF sees themselves economic freedom fighters sure, sure. by uh, young, young, I would say, populist uh, Julius Malema. He's also kind of a leader of a movement more or less who is sure. getting more and more now in the established politics and we will see where um, this young leader stands in five years when it comes to be a real political leader, maybe in a coalition with, with ANC or something like this. But um, it's what my last stance on this is also you mentioned this uh, about the um, well-being of the people and develop the nations and you mentioned also the investment. And we have at the moment a very young world more or less and a young world is a mm. globalized world. Yeah, yeah. And um, this framework to a to see that it, we need a functioning economy, we need private investments in the countries, that the young generation also sees this as an add-on to help their people more or less. And when you see at North Korea or the Congo, these two extremes, <laughs> nobody wants to invest in these two countries mm -hmm. because they see their economies as close more or less. 
they have to open them up more or less that they can um, bring the value to the people more or less. And um, we at the Konrad Adenauer Foundation are supporting often and very, and I think we are based in 20 African countries to support partners. We're supporting here in South Africa also the institution of the public protector to bring accountable, accountability, rule of law, focused democracy into these countries. And young people can foster these processes, as we see maybe in France and in other countries. So that's my last stance on this, maybe. Mm-hmm. Kate, let me wrap it up with you in terms of how do we further entrench uh, this youth leadership from an international landscape? I think that is there because, as I said earlier, they are so very connected. And the other thing about it is as you go around the world, you find that they share concerns in common. So around the world now, in every single country, you will find young leaders under the age of 30 who are dead worried about corruption. They are absolutely united in their view of the the actions that world leaders should be taking on climate change. Very, very clear. Extremely concerned about the risks to the financial system posed by a a second 2008-style implosion. I mean, they really are united, and they know, going back to a point that I think Tillman or Dr. Narani, or maybe you, even yourself, made earlier, um, they're... There is, there is real concern that they have to be international. I think it was Tillman, because they've realized that national governments cannot fix any of the big problems they're facing because mm-hmm. the really yeah. big problems yeah. Yeah, sure. cross borders mm. and, and, and are global. Sure. So that, you know, Tillman, I think Tillman made such a good point there about Macron and Justin Trudeau, who's a mm. very good friend of ours, mm. who act as more um, sort of internationalist kind of people with a feeling for um, world, the whole world and Mm. everybody in it. Mm. And that in itself is a change. And when you think about it, this is something that for Africa, for young Africans, unnecessarily holds them back. Mm. Mm. More connectivity between the African states. I mean, I have always thought that with the end of apartheid, that South Africa, with all its enormous resources and strengths, ought to have been the center and the seed and the root of a United States of Sub-Saharan Africa. That is what should have happened in Sub-Saharan Africa, led by strong, fabulous leadership from South Africa. Mm. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Kate, for giving us your time. I know Kate has met some of the biggest leaders in the world, so it's a, a great to be speaking to you. I mean, you've hang, hung out with the, right, the likes of the coffee Anans of, of this world. So thank you for giving us your time. That's Kate Robinson, who's the co-founder of One Young World. Thank you as well to Tillman Feltiz, who is joining us from Conrad Adenier Stiftung, who is a project manager based in South Africa. That's a think tank, uh, an international think tank here in, in South Africa. Thank you both for giving us your time. It's been fantastic speaking to both sure. of you. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Bless you. Thank sure. you Thank so you much. Very much. Great, great, Thank great. You. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, cheers, guys. For me, Benjamin Mushatam, let's end with some great music from Malaika. This one is titled, Will Africa Change? For me, Benjamin Mushatama. until next time, God bless.
On en a marre de parler du passé. Ça suffit. L'avenir est tout ce qui compte. On a deux choix. La guerre et le désespoir. Ou le bonheur et le développement. Africa, 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 Africa,